What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. It's me, your host, Matt Johnson. And you know, what I'm hosting, it can only mean one thing. It's time for the podcast within the podcast, The Boys Talking The Boys. And with me, as always, my cherished and most humble guest, it's Austin Terry. Austin, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I don't even know what to say after an introduction like that, but I will give an update. Oh. I'm officially filing the legal paperwork for Arnie's to copyright the claim Stormlander, because you called it in our very first bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, I did on accident. I referred to the character Stormfront as Stormlander. And then in order to not sound like an idiot, I just said, oh, that's their ship name. And sure enough, they banged the hell out of each other at the end of this episode. So I guess you could say I called it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of all we got for the intro. I mean... You know, if you want to check out more on how we're doing, other stuff we're talking about, we have our main episodes going up every Tuesday. This is just our fun little boy season two recap show that we're putting out every Thursday. And we're already Austin, as we referenced last week, we are barreling through this season. This is episode five. There's only three left. So, you know, we're kind of, I guess you could say we're winding down a bit. Kind of crazy that I feel like we just started, but we're already almost done. Especially with this coming out weekly, it's hard to believe that it's gone by so fast. I know. I guess it does feel a little bit because they basically almost put out like half the season on the first uh, episode or whatever. But, you know, whatever, just for the sake of conversation. Anyway, Austin, I was going to kind of vamp a little bit, but I got to be honest with you. I have some feelings before we get to that. I'm, I'm kind of curious since we haven't really talked about the boys. We've been saving kind of our just raw conversation for this actual show. So I don't really know how you're feeling. I know how you're feeling with the past episodes. But before I get into my thoughts, I would love to hear... What were your general thoughts on episode five? This episode was called We Gotta Go Now. And I want to hear some raw and beautiful opinions from yours truly. What you got? I think I might actually have a hot take for oh. this episode just based on what I'm seeing online. Oh, okay. This makes me really excited because I haven't been reading online, but I think I might have one as well. So let's. I want to hear this hot take. Break it down. To me, this episode felt like vintage The Boys. I love this episode. Um, there was lots of tension with both The Seven and The Boys. Um, there's actually There was also some really interesting character plots and a really cool action scene at the end. So for me, like that recipe just really made it feel like season one for me. And um, it really feels like things are finally starting to get moving with this season. Mm-hmm. And even though the crew isn't back together um, at the end of the episode, I do like where they leave things off. And I'm excited for their final episode from this season. I'll start with the positive. I do think this is the best episode, for sure, of this season by far. Um, I really enjoyed it, um, at least in in comparison to the last four. While I did enjoy it, I did ultimately feel like, while I'm still so, like, I'm just so damn curious where the season is going, I do ultimately feel like five episodes in, not too much has happened. And maybe it's the Game of Thrones season two effect that we've talked about in regards to this season is that since characters have split up and have their own stories, they have to juggle so many different storylines and try and give them each like proper screen time. I don't know if that's the issue I'm seeing. I just, I don't know what it is. I just feel like it's really slow. Not too much is happening. And like I said, while I do enjoy this episode, I think it was the best of the season. I don't feel like we've made that much progress, at least in terms of the story. Like, I kind of feel like I'm almost getting lost in a story. I don't even really know what the goal is. I think looking at the entire season as a whole, it definitely is a letdown compared to season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the season has been very slow, and I don't think we've made a whole lot of progress in terms of the story. However, looking at just episode five in a vacuum, I not looking, not really taking in the rest yeah. of the season and how I feel about the rest of the season into effect, I do think this is one of my favorite episodes they put out so far. I agree um, with that. I agree with that. But to your point, one flaw I do have really with the sh- with the season as a whole, season two as a whole, don't really feel like the boys have much to do now with Compound B being exposed yeah. and Becca not wanting to stay and Becca wanting to stay with her son. Um, like they don't really have a clear mission anymore. And at the time, I did like that Compound B got exposed so early. But now that we've moved on further into the season, they don't have a mission really anymore. It really doesn't like it's really hard to figure out what their plan is and what their motivations are. Yeah, the show is called The Boys, and this season, they really just, I mean, they feel kind of lame. I mean, there's definitely highlights we talked about um, earlier in the season. We really liked the screen time they were giving to Mother's Milk and actually giving him an interesting backstory whenever they were investigating the Liberty storyline. That was really cool. Huey's had some good scenes with Starlight, of course. Um, Frenchie, I think, 
while I really love Tomar Capone as an actor and his performance, I think they just don't know what to do with Frenchie or Kamiko. Like I, I'm just, that's my least favorite storyline by far. It's yeah, just so boring. And, and then in this episode in particular, just apparently Kamiko is now like <laughs> best friends with Frenchie's ex, I guess, like doing hits. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I don't know when that happened, but yeah, that, that part of those two members of the boys, I just don't care at all about anymore. And let's just go ahead and uh, throw up a really quick spoiler warning for anybody that hasn't seen this episode as a whole. We are not going to be doing non-spoiler stuff. We are going to be just talking full spoilers, no holds barred. Uh, So if you haven't seen this episode, go watch it and then come back and listen to our podcast. Yeah. And I would say just before you turn this off, if you haven't watched it yet, if you were somebody that watched the first half of this season um, and kind of felt like how we were feeling where... It's like, I don't know if this is going. Um, like I said, I still feel like it's a bit aimless, but I do agree with Austin. This is the best episode so far. So if you, if you were thinking about maybe not watching it, I would at least give this one a chance because maybe this one would turn things around for you. And now from this point on, we'll do just open discussion and spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, we'll see you whenever you do. So Matt, where would you like to start? Um, I guess, we'll, you know, kind of like we usually do with any of our reviews and our deep dives, we kind of inevitably end up jumping around. But let's just, I guess, start from the beginning and just see where we end up. So there's actually, I feel like out of all the episodes, this one is going to be kind of the easiest to go through. I did like this one, how it didn't feel so segmented in the stories. Like, for example, just right off the bat, the very beginning of this episode was pretty cool because we're basically seeing... Is it called the movie in this world, Dawn of the Seven, right? That's the name of the movie? Yeah. So definitely taking a shot at, at the Dawn of Justice yeah. for sure. And yeah. also, I, I I wrote down a really quick throwaway line. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if you caught it because it made me bust out laughing. They have a line where they say, the Josh rewrite oh. is so great in this oh film. Oh my God. That was and, and all line. the lines they're saying are just shitty lines. So they're And they even make clear to say they're saying Joss, not Josh. Yep. So they're just taking a direct shot at Justice League. I like that. I, I don't know why, but I like that Homelander was the one that said it. For some reason, just knowing what that character is and just him sitting in like a director's chair just saying, oh, the Joss rewrite's great. I thought that was so yeah, funny. So and funny. I, I mean, I guess Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg don't. Maybe they're not the biggest fans of Joss or they're just having fun. I think they're probably just having fun, but it was a such a funny line. Anyway, so let's start there. So basically, we start the episode and it's one of those things where we're not fully aware, like, what's going on? Like... We don't see the cameras behind the scenes until it goes on a bit. So we're basically seeing this scene where Maeve, so uncomfortable. It feels like a 90s sitcom. It feels like when Ellen came out on her show where they literally just had to have her straight up say that, I'm gay. And oh my God, the lines where Maeve is just forcing out like, I'm just like you. I'm gay. It's You can see how hard it is for her to say. And Basically, from what we understand, this movie, Dawn of the Seven, has been something we've known about for a while, but two major rewrites are happening, which is they're kind of taking what happened earlier in the season and Maeve, because of Homelander outing her, as now they're changing up her stuff in the movie so that she basically comes out. And then they're also writing in A-Train, like his goodbye, essentially. So what do you think of that, how they kind of took these past storylines of A-Train kind of getting fired and Maeve being outed? How, how did you like the way they incorporated them into this movie within the show's universe? I was actually really surprised when we opened up to this episode, like with filming on the Dawn of the Seven, because I always thought like it was just going to be like a throwaway joke. Oh, we're making this movie, the Dawn of Me the too. Seven. Yeah. But I really liked like this whole segment. I thought it was so funny. Um, like just all the shots they take at DC and their handling of their films. Um, but then, yeah, this stuff with Maeve was so cringy to listen to. And then I really like how A- how A-Chain's trying to get out of like saying his goodbye because he's trying to stay into the seven as best he could. And then Ashley basically coerces him into giving his performance um, along with the director. And then he finally like gives his grand speech in the home and there's like, that was fantastic, buddy. Great and it's not work. even and you him. Could just see, it's just it's, it's yeah. a stunt guy. Yeah. And this was kind of Ashley's first, like, almost Stillwell, or I guess you could even say Stan Edgar moment, where she was just like, just fuck off. Like, she's kind of maybe just take, she's taken enough abuse from these characters, and now she's at least standing up for herself. So I'm curious where she's going to go. Um, I think she's also just scared, too. Like, she, oh, she's terrified. Like, A-tra- A-Train scares her, but Homelander scares her more. So she's not going to do anything to fuck up this movie production. Exactly, yeah. So let's 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 talk about that. Um, this is what I was referencing at the beginning. I feel like... More so than previous episodes, this one at least, like, the way they introduced the initial 
um, kind of storylines and B-plots through the episode. I liked how intertwined it was. This wasn't like where Butcher just drops off the Liberty storyline onto Mother's Milk and Huey's doorstep and they go off on their own adventure, then he goes off on his. I really liked that they're making this movie. We get all this great Maeve stuff and then she goes up to talk to Homelander and she's like, please stop doing this. Don't hurt my girlfriend. And then Homelander's just brushing her off and then right after that, Ashley walks up and is like, um... This is not good, Homelander. We just found this video of you. And then it introduces his main plot of the episode, which is a video surfaces of him going off to kill these super terrorists that he had a hand in creating. And it's so nonchalant. He's like not acting like himself. He just lands, kills the terrorist. And then, of course, the video zooms out and we see that in that process, he ended up killing an innocent boy and kind of the backlash of that that the public... The public scrutiny for Homelander doing that and not even caring and just leaving is kind of his B-plot. So how did you like that introduction, this video and his ultimate like reaction to it? What'd you think? I like where it leads to. Like I like that it leads to, you know, like streetwide protests of Vought and Homelander. But it, I kind of miss like the dynamic of like Vought and the Seven being like all good in the public eye. And then like we as the audience knowing what they're really like. Like I kind of I kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah, I do too. I kind of am just at this point, I think, chalking it up to that was season one. And season two was already so different where in literally by the end of episode one, I think it was, Compound V was out in the public. So I agree with you. I kind of really liked that whole concept of the show and I presume the comic book where kind of all these people represent the Justice League, like literally that line of characters. But then behind the scenes, they're all terrible. And now the public is starting to catch on, which I guess is kind of the natural progression for the show. Um, but regardless, I thought this was really effective. I loved seeing, we get to see a video that the public has seen of Homelander not doing his whole Superman thing where he lands and is like trying to be civil and maybe has to stop a bad guy in the process. But he just lands, is like mocking everybody, murders this presumed super terrorist and then in the process like literally brutally ends up murdering a complete innocent just because he wasn't careful of where he was shooting his laser vision i mean it was it was hard to watch and then he just kind of laughs it off and flies away and then he's having to deal with like the whole point of the show is like homelander because of this you're down 11 points and he thought it was only going to be like one or two and then he's shocked like he's so such a different side of homelander when she's like it's 11 points he's like oh dear god (laughs) so it's a different side for homelander so i like seeing that and i agree with you i do i do really like where this story ends up going so and i also like that we do still have the dynamic of like uh the public image being different. I like that we still have that dynamic with Stormfront, at least. Yes. And Stormfront, I think at this point, I'm just so curious where she is going this season. I have no clue. At this point, I think I'm also more scared of Stormfront than I am of Homelander. I think that's exactly what they're trying to make us like feel. I mean, it's the whole the devil you know versus the devil you don't. We know Homelander pretty well at this point, And Stormfront is just, she has so many, like, hands and so many pies and it's like i don't know what her goal is um and of course by the time this episode ends it's almost even more confusing so anyway let's keep on going um that's kind of the main setup and then we have a quick little scene that kind of leads us into our title card where we have carl urban as billy butcher of course he's just drinking his pain away in a bar he's sad about what he said to becca and then her response is to just kind of kind of tell him to fuck off so now he's all alone again doesn't know what to do he starts a bar fight just wants to get hurt wants to hurt people and then when he goes basically to a store to like get like you know medicine or whatever you want to call it he ends up calling huey and surprisingly i wasn't expecting this he essentially I guess whatever you want to call it, he resigns from the boys, or at least he tries to. And of course, Huey and then the others by the end make him kind of reverse that thought. But what did you think of this scene where he tries to kind of quit? Once again, I I like where this leads, but haven't we had this exact scene like four times this season already? That's what I'm getting tired of because we had this stuff in season (laughs) one too. And now we've had it multiple times in this season. I mean, the whole thing we talked about where we didn't love episode two of this season, but we were talking about how... At least it's cool that by the end we get to see like Huey and Butcher accept their situation. And hopefully that means going forward, you know, the boys are back. And then here we are three episodes later and we're still having these conversations. And spoiler alert, we have a whole nother one later in this episode. (laughs) So while I do like like what you said where this ends up, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if somehow a couple episodes from now or in season three, 
we get more of this. And I'm kind of like, if we get any more of this, it's just going to feel so tired. I feel like I, I, I can't really stand too much more of this, I feel like. I am happy, though, that this didn't lead to, like, Butcher just being out of the show until, like, episode eight. I'm glad sure. that immediately MMM is like, all right, we're just going to go track him down and get him back on board. So at least they, like, got moving, like, with that. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of the first little saving grace because I was so I was rolling my eyes whenever Butcher and Huey had that scene. But then I loved when Mother's Milk walks up to Huey and we were really seeing kind of him and Huey. They have a really interesting relationship that I really like. Um, It almost feels like what Huey wants his relationship to like with Butcher to be. That's the relationship he currently has with Mother's Milk. And I love, like you said, Mother's Milk reaction isn't like, you know, fuck Butcher or any of that. It's just let's go. We know where he's going. Let's go. Let's go find him, and we'll convince him yeah. otherwise. I really like that. So um, let's move it on. I guess the main plot of this episode is, like we mentioned, the boys end up following Butcher to his what is it? His aunt's house. Yeah, it's his aunt. So Butcher goes to his aunt's house. He reunites with her. They have a really awesome relationship that I'm assuming we're not going to see much more of. Uh, maybe glimpses here and there as the show goes on but regardless i don't care i love this relationship because she's basically kind of a slightly nicer just older and more gentle looking of butcher like that version and i love their dynamic i loved seeing butcher with his um with his dog of course he like loves his dog it's like the only thing he cares about and like he just basically comes over to take him for a walk i love that i thought that was so cool we jump to the deep. The deep is back, Austin, and he's back in your preferred way, which I think he probably has like three minutes of screen time in the whole episode. They keep doing the deep this way. He's going to become my favorite character. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we see him with Katie Couric doing an interview, and he's with his new wife, who basically, as we kind of suspected, whenever Katie Couric asks him just straight up about the sexual assault, his wife just jumps in immediately and does all of the talking. Like, he's a changed man. I fell in love with him for the man he's become. So it's kind of like the deep is now officially the face of this mysterious church of the collective group. And we assume that they still want him to be like their representative on like um, the seven, I guess, kind of like how shout out to our Star Wars series. Palpatine wants Anakin to be on the council. I guess that's the goal, but we have no clue what that would entail, or what that would mean. This also leads to an interesting conversation with Stormfront and A-Train where Stormfront says she used yes. to be a part of the church, which I am curious where that's going to go. I have no idea. Gosh, Stormfront is just like so vague on purpose and it's getting interesting because we see her involved in almost every storyline or at least conversation in some way. So before we get back to the main stuff, we do have a cutaway to what I kind of called earlier my least favorite subplot of this episode. It starts off kind of interesting, uh, but we see Kamiko who's still just destroyed from watching Stormfront brutally murder her own brother and she's basically she just kind of is wandering around she walks into like a bar where these um gangsters are talking and it's pretty funny <laughs> they're talking about like shows that they're watching with their family on like netflix and stuff which i got a <laughs> kick out of even these like brutal people are just like oh yeah i was watching this cool show on netflix you should check it out um but the jokes stop there because then they all get murdered <laughs> by kamiko and, and one see. of them gets their face pulled off which was horrifying. Like, <laughs> it's one thing on The Walking Dead when you have, like, these already dead zombies get their face torn up because it just looks like it goes from, I don't know, just one already gross face to, oh, it's still just a gross face. Whereas this was a human being gets just, like, his layer of skin ripped off. Ugh. I was, even for this show, I was surprised what we were seeing. And, uh, <laughs> Somebody else that was surprised is Frenchie, who then kind of joins the storyline. He's trying to track down Kamiko. He walks in, sees everything that she did and is horrified. And later in the episode, we'll get back to the shitty storyline. So let's get back to the best one before we wrap up kind of the first act, which is we cut back to Butcher. And he's walking through the house, comes back from his walk. And then, of course, Huey and Mother's Milk. I'm glad they're already there. And there's no bullshit. Like, this isn't something like, let's go find Butcher. And then it takes them two episodes to find him. Literally, like, a few minutes later, they're I'm already so there, glad they're there. Hanging out with his aunt. And everything seems kind of fun. It's going to be like, they're going to convince Butcher to come back and it's going to be easy. And Butcher basically says no. And then this is what I was referring to earlier as kind of the main plot of this episode is he goes outside, hops in the car to kind of leave and then sees in his rearview mirror, a very easy to spot black noir on the roof. (laughs) 
Very easy to spot, but I like the scene. <laughs> Me too. It's so funny it's seeing like black noir of all characters just in the middle of the day, just basically like popping his little head over this little part of the roof. <laughs> and um, Butcher spots him in the rearview mirror and just kind of casually walks back into the house. And then this is kind of the whole let's go moment where he tells he tells everybody black noir is here. Don't freak out. We're going to handle it. Don't worry. Let's just kind of lock everything down and we're going to kill this guy, essentially. So kind of for me, shouting back out to your point before we get your thoughts here is this felt the most vintage to the boys since season one. I agree with you here because kind of just thinking about it right now, the whole plot of season one of the boys is all these characters come together and they're going to kill soups. Like that's the plot. And it kind of got a bit muddled in this season because Butcher doesn't really want to do that, I guess, anymore. He still hates them, but he wants to find Becca. And then like the last episode, Becca's like, fuck off. So now we're in this weird limbo where it's like, do they still want to kill superheroes? Is that still the plot of the show? Um, yeah, I'm so- just so <laughs> unclear what their mission is. Like, exactly. I just wish they would make that clear. Like, you, what are they yeah. trying to accomplish? And Give that's what the you goal. pointed out earlier, yeah. Yeah, give me the goal of the season and then let's just get to it. Because <laughs> honestly, it kind of seems like the goal for all of them which is understandable, is just to survive. Like Huey, Mother's Milk, Frenchie, Kamiko, like they're just kind of in their own little lockdown because they're wanted and they're just trying to survive. But that's not necessarily interesting to watch for five plus episodes of a show. Well, and that would be interesting if that was the goal of this season, but they've only been in now two precarious situations for the entire season so far. Yeah, Agreed. Like if Vought if Vought was like actively hunting them, which I guess they kind of are, but if they were actually putting more effort into trying to find the boys and like they're coming into contact with all the superheroes like every episode, it'd be way more interesting than just like we're all gonna hang out and talk and feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of the thing I mentioned a couple of episodes ago when we were reviewing, like I was like, the problem that they're gonna run into, and again, this is coming from somebody that has not read the comics or the graphic novels or whatever. At this point, I haven't read the source material, but in the first season, we're basically told Butcher's whole thing is he wants to kill the Seven. And pretty quickly into the show, it's how they basically kind of, um, it's basically Huey's kind of like his <laughs> orientation as he kills Translucent. Just just a couple episodes into the show, he kills one of the members of the Seven. And then the rest of the season goes on nothing like that happens, which is fine, but... In this season, it kind of feels like they just are so precious of these characters now because we've spent so much time with all of them that they don't really want to kill them anymore. They just want to give them their own storylines. So I agree with you. It's getting a bit muddled what the actual goal of the show is. And if the writers don't want to kill these characters, it makes it pretty hard for the boys to even exist because they're just sitting around underground doing nothing, just trying not to be seen. And so this was much appreciated for me because Black Noir gets Stan Edgar's permission to hunt Butcher down. And now it finally feels like the boys again. I'm not saying every episode needs to be the boys trying to kill one of the seven, but... I don't know. It's just been so long. At least it felt like something that was familiar, but in a really good way. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and even though Black Noir looks goofy sitting up there, once he popped up and uh, Butcher just walks back in and starts like lowering the curtains, I was like, let's go. This is awesome. Just knowing how close he is to the boys and like his ability to kill people so easily, it just ups the stakes of the episode so easily just by having his presence there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Because also he has the advantage character wise of being a complete wild card, like the definition of a wild card. We have we know nothing about this character. And so for him to be except we know the only thing we know about him is that he can kill people really easily. So the, the thing that makes us especially scary is that he's the one that ends up you know, doing this. And he almost seems like in a weird way, he's able to avoid the spotlight. So like if Homelander was the one here, he probably wouldn't kill them because he would be like, oh shit, like somebody might like, it might get found out that I did that. I can't ruin my image. You know, like we see in this episode, he's so obsessed with his points going up and down. Uh, But Black Noir, I don't think he really cares about that. So this was really scary. I think they picked the perfect character to do this. Um, So do you want to just run through the rest of this plot with like all the Home Alone stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah, like you said, um, they kind of end up going from just locking it down to setting up some traps. Like you mentioned, it does feel very Home Alone. Um, And then we get more. This is kind of what I referenced earlier. We get more scenes of a back and forth between Huey and Butcher, even though they're trying to survive. Huey still is trying to convince Butcher to stay. And then in the midst of all this, um, Butcher's aunt tells 
Huey about Butcher's little brother that passed away. And of course, they then make the play, like from a writing perspective, to kind of equate Lenny, his younger brother, with Huey and how Butcher might feel the same way about them. So how'd you feel about this whole thing? How'd you feel about setting up the traps, um, all the character interactions here? What were your thoughts on all this? As we kind of talked about already, really sick of the Butcher, Huey, are they going to get along plot? I like that Mother's Milk kind of steps in and just shuts it down right away. Um, and I'm fine with them equating Huey to Lenny. Like that kind of makes Butcher feel a little bit a little bit more human to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought that was cool. Uh, kind of predictable once they started talking about it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't handled well. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, so I mean, should we just get right to the actual action? We can we can come back to the other storylines later, but they basically, the long and short of it is they get set up, they get into this underground bunker, and then that's when we start to hear just everything go wrong. We hear like one explosion. It's like, oh shit, what's that? Is that, is that on the street? And then no, they go back upstairs and apparently Black Noir blew up the house. <laughs> so yeah. So they respond to this explosion. Of course, Butcher is going to try and be the hero here. He basically like locks them down there somehow or just, he basically kind of like separates from them on purpose and goes to confront Black Noir in a really funny scene. He like calls him out, tells him to come out and then Black Noir just kind of sulks out from a doorway. <laughs> um I'm so confused what, like, each members of the Seven's, like, actual powers are. Because, like, Starlight has her light stuff, and then she also has super strength. Black Noir apparently is bulletproof and bombproof. Like, I know he wears that suit. But He's just you invulnerable, think all those, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's his power. Like, I just, I guess I just kind of wish I had a better understanding of what everybody's, like, powers and weaknesses are yeah it's one of the reasons i like the x-men obviously not all of them fit into this description but one of the things one of the things i really like about them is like almost to a fault sometimes they just have one power like even if it's lame it's just one thing like iceman literally and we'll talk about iceman later but he literally just can produce ice pyro just fire it is a little bit weird here how like everybody on the seven does have their own unique power but then they're all also apparently super strong and invulnerable home front god damn it home front now i'm saying homelander <laughs> stormfront black noir those three for sure are all invulnerable um and I, there's probably more that i can't even think of it is it was a a little bit strange. I think we can chalk up at least at least part of it to them, you know, parodying these characters. Like they might even acknowledge it's a bit funny how they all have so many different powers and abilities. Maybe that's part of it. But that being said, kind of in a live action setting, it is a bit funny. Like Black Noir just seems like a dude in a costume like Batman, but then he walks out after blowing up this house and he's clearly just been exposed to this explosion, but he's totally fine. So I guess it's not. And he's like not even hurt either. Like the bullets just bounce off him. Like he's not even bleeding from these explosions. Yeah. It makes you wonder why he even presumably trained to be a ninja. If it doesn't really matter. I mean, he can't be hurt at all. (laughs) Again, that might be an interesting way to explore that character, um, but we haven't really gotten there yet. So yeah, so he blows it up, they confront each other, and then one scene I really liked because it felt like something new is that while Butcher is trying to presumably self-sacrifice and hopefully take out Black Noir in the process, we do have both Mother's Milk and Huey come out from the side and shoot at Black Noir because, you know, they're going to protect their friend even though they, I think they both know that, you know, they're going to die. All they have is like one pistol, so it's not going to really do them any good, but I did like that. And seeing Butcher's reaction to them helping him, I think, was a really sweet moment And then this kind of all leads up to Black Noir subduing them and then choking out Butcher. And then this is when Giancarlo Esposito comes back into the fold. So what do you think of this scene leading up to this big confrontation where it seems like Black Noir is about to snap his neck? What do you think of all this? After seeing Black Noir like walk through the explosions like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I just kind of felt like the boys had like literally no chance in this fight whenever they both came back in and like seeing the bullets ricochet, which I guess is kind of the point. Because I, I guess up until this point, I felt like Black Noir was like the only hero that can actually be hurt. And then to see him not actually be able to be hurt in a fight. Like, I, I thought his power was just like how stealthy he is. Like, kind of like Batman. Yeah, it seemed like he was Batman, basically. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, he's out in the open. Maybe they actually have a chance in this fight. But then, like, it just makes the boys feel so weak in this scene. Um, but I do like Stan Edgar kind of being like the eyes through Black Noir. And I like mm-hmm. that. Like Black Noir only is only doing what he says. So he's kind of like, yeah, like Black Noir is kind of like Stan Edgar's lapdog. It feels like. Yeah, I really like that because then it makes you think back like whenever Black Noir in the last episode was tracking Butcher and then you can kind of put it together. So he personally went to Edgar, was like, I guess he didn't speak, must have written it down like always, but was like, let me go kill this guy. And I like the idea of Edgar being like, yeah, go for it. 
And then the only reason he doesn't and all the boys are left alive is kind of presumably um, they have to talk their way out of it. So Butcher presents this thing where if I die, I don't know even know how this would work. I guess a black noir could have killed them all, but whatever. Let's just look past that for a second. Basically, he's like, if you kill me, I'm going to have the rest of my team um, release all these photos that I have, which proves that Homelander is a rapist. So basically, don't kill me. And then we get Stan Edgar you know, talking through Black Noir, basically. We get him agreeing to that deal. And the whole thing is, those don't do the light of day, and I'll call off Black Noir. And then we see Butcher immediately agree. <laughs> so that's kind of the end of this scene. And I was, I liked the way they talked to Matt, like they talked out of the situation. But at the same time, whenever Black Noir started lowering um, Butcher and walking away, I was like, oh, is this really all we're getting from this storyline? I was hoping for a bit more, I guess, exciting stuff. But then I guess... If I had hoped for that and it would have happened, then we would have seen one of our main characters die. So I don't know. I don't know what I wanted, but that's kind of where it ends. Also, I don't understand why Stan Edgar calls him off. Like, Homelander yeah. already has that video out about him murdering an innocent person. Compound yeah. D is already out. So the public image is already tarnished. So I, I just feel like this third strike against Homelander really wouldn't be a big deal to Vought. Like, it, it doesn't seem like enough. It feels like, it feels like the boys are a bigger threat to Stan Edgar than this Homelander video. Yeah, because when you think about it also, the public is not fans of the boys. It's not like the boys are their representatives. Like, I mean, they're wanted. And the, the public, for the most part, loves the Seven. So to them, these people trying to murder them are the bad guys. So the idea of them releasing these photos, it probably would have gone the same way that the Stormfront plot goes. They just kind of use their memes and their teams, like their PR teams, yeah. to uh, say it's a lie. So. Yeah, kind of actually now talking about it, it does seem a little bit weird that this was going to be so damaging when literally in the same episode, we see an actual video of Homelander killing an innocent and it, by the end of the episode, nobody really cares anymore. But before we kind of wrap up, let's just run through some of the other plot lines because there are some interesting ones here that we got to talk about. So some of the ones that are a bit smaller is, again, like I mentioned earlier, Stormfront seems to just be involved in every single thing possible. And even though she... I guess apparently hates Starlight, which I guess we do actually find out in this episode why. So we'll get to that. We do have Starlight walking in after her awkward conversation with Stormfront, and we see Stormfront basically, I guess, having invited um, Starlight's mom, who is not talking. Starlight is not talking to her mom because of the whole Compound V thing. And this scene is hard to watch because obviously Starlight's mom is trying to apologize. Starlight's not answering her calls. And then all the while, Stormfront is just third wheeling, saying how important it is to have a support system and a mother who loves you. It's yeah, so it awkward. seems very cringy. <laughs> yeah. Um, clearly on purpose. So we had that. Another example of Stormfront doing that whole thing. And then we get um, some people that I was glad to see back. We get the Vought. PR guys, uh, we see them pitching kind of posters and storylines for Maeve and her girlfriend. And this is also a very, um, I don't know what the word is. It's a very, it's something I think a lot of people don't think about, even if they support the LGBTQIA plus community. But it was interesting to see them acknowledge that Maeve is in fact bisexual. And then they're just like, eh, gay's easier. Let's just do that. Yeah. Um, yeah that was, you don't see that a whole lot. <laughs> I know. I'm glad they did that. they acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, and then their whole storyline kind of wraps up with Elena trying to leave and just so done with this kind of her take is like, look, I don't care. We'll make it work. Let's just leave together. And Maeve's again, her whole thing is we can't because you will die at this point. You've been wrapped up into this and it's my fault. And I'm so sorry. But, you know, we got to stick it out. We got to just play their game because we'll be killed basically so it's really sad i really hope we have a mave centric episode coming up because her yeah. plot is still the most interesting especially when she says i, I want to take homelander down like i can't yeah. wait to see what that looks like and what she's gonna try to do yeah I can't, i'm that's one of the things i'm most looking forward to and i'm wondering if that will happen this season or is that more of a long play i guess we'll see unfortunately i think that's going to end in mave's death but I still want to see what she attempts to do. Yeah, I agree. I think we talked about this earlier in the season. We kind of feel like, unfortunately, because Homelander seems like he's just going to be just one of the staples of the shows until probably the end. It feels like if he has that kind of, I guess, you know, final standoff with somebody, it's probably going to end in the other's death, which sucks for Maeve. But, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, so naturally, we should go from the most interesting subplot to the fucking worst. And this is where Frenchie walks into the church. 
So this is going to be pretty quick because it just ends with Kamiko pushing Frenchie down. And it's like, oh, no, I guess they're not close anymore. And then Frenchie, <laughs> there was a weird scene because I, I will admit watching this show, I do wonder, like, can he not learn sign language? I get obviously probably <laughs> ideal to learn from somebody that actually knows it. But can he not like just get a fucking book or something and just do like basic sign language? Um, like literally he could just like hold the book in his hand and like read it as he like with his other hand signs. Um, well, they did a, they did establish that Kimiko and her brother made up their own language. Like yes, their own sign language. that's true. So that makes it a bit easier. And I did like that he at least acknowledged that he does care about her, but like you won't teach me. So I don't know what you what you want or like I, I liked that. But still, this storyline fucking sucks. And then, I like that moment between him and Kimiko, but I wish it had been in a different storyline. Yeah, so let's just kind of run through the last few here. Um, we do cut back to the deep again, filming that like weird, like cringy Church of the Collective promo. And this is such a this is such a weird thing to say because again, all these characters, or at least most of them, are so despicable. But somehow this show makes them still have moments that you laugh at and this fucking commercial like <laughs> with the deep like talking like saying how great the church of the collective is and how you shouldn't hurt people and then just him <laughs> walking down a hallway where a guy is like pushing a girl and he's just like hey man that's not cool and yeah. just this is walking this commercial is one of the reasons i said this felt like vintage the boys because it they still find a way for this show to be really funny in this episode, too. Yeah. And despite kind of, how dark it is. Yeah. And going directly from that scene to the next, they also, like I said, they find a way to make these despicable characters have funny moments. They also find ways to make these despicable characters have moments where you somehow feel bad for them, at least in a vacuum. And this literally um, cuts to we see A-Train is actually watching the commercial. That's kind of uh, the cut here. And then from this moment, we see Stormfront enter the scene and... It's really interesting because the verbiage she's using for me as a white person, if this would had been like, if this had been said to me, I would have like probably walked away from that conversation. Like that was awkward, but you can totally see the way she's talking, referencing like people, gross people, stuff like that. It just cuts to a train. You see in his eyes, he knows that. Yeah. She's just being blatantly racist. Yeah. It's so hard to watch. Um, and this directly kind of cuts to him talking to Ashley, trying to get the scenes changed, and he doesn't want to say goodbye to this yet. And you kind of feel bad for this guy who's a murderer, um, which is really weird. Yeah. And then it cuts from that to him finally being complacent, and we see the scene, which is also really funny that you mentioned earlier, with him in the scene with Homelander saying bye. And it's just Homelander's back, and then he walks away, and it's just a different guy that's dressed up as Homelander. Um, so, again, we've referenced it in the last two episodes now. I don't know where A-Train is going in this show. At this point, it seems like th filming this scene in the movie is kind of his official goodbye, at least from the seven. Does he continue to play a part? I have no idea. So that might be interesting. What do you think about that? Are we going to see more A-Train in the future? I'm honestly surprised every time he pops up. He's been in every episode this season. So I, I, I feel like the writing crew just doesn't want to say goodbye to his character. So I think he's going to stick around. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, and then like some of the last bits we get here is we do get Homelander. The reason that he wasn't in that scene is because he flew off to land at this protest where people are basically sharing their open thoughts on Homelander killing that innocence. And as we've seen in the past, he's going to go, you know what? I'll just go in person. I'll try and fix it myself. Obviously, I'll be charming and then they'll love me. Um, it does not work like that. And this ends with people just shaming Homelander, just screaming at him. And then we get um, the vision where he basically wishes that he could just mass murder all these people. We see him um, use his heat vision to kill everybody there. And then, of course, it's revealed to just be a vision. Did this catch you off guard? Did you think for any like point that this was real? How did you feel about that? Yeah, I have it in my notes. Well, there's the holy shit moment. That's what I have in my notes. And then... Right after that saying, never mind, it's just a vision. Like, I kind of wish this had been for real. Like, I think that would have been really interesting to see the ramifications of that. I thought it was real at first as well. Um, whenever he just killed the military guy that was kind of leading the charge, I was like, oh shit, this is real. Um, but then whenever he killed, like, everybody there, I was like, is this a vision? And then it turned out to be. 
But I agree. It could have been interesting to see them play with that more. And that would have made me win the bet from last week with shocking death. I know. Whereas shocker for season two of the boys, none of us won (laughs) because (laughs) they didn't want to do a shocking death or a shocking twist. We got some cool little reveals and stuff, but nothing that I would consider a, a twist necessarily. Um, yeah. So let's go from this scene to a very short scene that I was surprised this was his introduction. So the next scene is where Stormfront is talking to a character only credited as the nurse, played by Sean Ashmore. And this is one of those things where I guess I wish I, I wasn't paying as much attention to like casting for this show because we do know Sean Ashmore is playing Lamplighter, the member of the boys from season one that left quietly. And then we found out as time went on that he probably killed some CIA people's children. And then he had to quietly leave to avoid a war with the CIA. Um, so he's not been revealed to be that character. He is revealed to be playing with a lighter. So I guess that is kind of a little reveal because his powers are fire based. Um, but this scene is weird because like I said, it's probably only 20 seconds long, if that. But and we don't really know what they're talking about. But it's th- this is the most different that we see Stormfront, I feel like, on this conversation on the phone. How did you feel about this? Because sh- she feels like she's not annoyed. It feels like she's actually trying to talk to this person, trying to be comforting in the way that she can. Um, and then even when like the phone call's done, she doesn't like roll her eyes or look annoyed. This is the most different we've ever seen. Like, what did you think of this? Because this caught me off guard a little bit. I guess I just really fucked up. I don't even remember this scene or have anything about it in my notes. Yeah, so that's the problem with it. Because it's literally, I'm scrolling through Amazon right now. And let's see, 40, 53... Okay, yeah, so this scene is 15 seconds long. Um, and it's literally just a phone call that she has with Sean Ashmore. And I can't uh, I can't picture Sean Ashmore in my head. So I guess yeah. it just didn't jump out to me either. Yeah, it's like so it quick. You. And um, it's a weird scene because we basically like cut into it. And it's like they're having their own conversation. That It's like the middle of it. Um, they're talking about like a 17-year-old boy, like like experiments being done. It's so unclear what they're talking about, but this was his introduction. So we're going to see more of him. Um, So let's get to the more important part since you don't remember. I I can't blame you. It's so quick, but while she's on the phone, she hangs up and this is where Homelander walks in. Um, She basically offered her help earlier and he just brushed her off. And after the whole fiasco at the protest, he basically comes back to the set, walks into her trailer. And this is where she introduces him to the whole like, meme generator that she is creating to put out there in the public with her PR team in order to make Homelander like make the video look photoshopped and it's a fake um and we see him kind of kind of I guess warm up to the idea and her a little bit here so what did you think of that (laughs) because another interesting moment these memes are so funny and both in episode four and episode five and I think this is honestly the first time I've ever seen memes used in like a mainstream show or movie too yeah, it could be. Um, I'm struggling right now to think of another example. Um, but yeah, you might be right. It's certainly probably in the most... We've probably seen them pop up in other things, but this is like the most, um, I guess, them being used as a plot device <laughs> that we've ever seen. I mean, they're literally used to save Homelander's image, which was pretty surprising. So that, that was cool. I, I enjoyed seeing them used in that way. Um, and we'll obviously, we'll get to their relationship in a second. We just have a couple more to run through. I want to get your thoughts on... We thought Homelander was going to be the one to do this, to kind of utilize the Deep's need to be on the team and kind of make him um, work for him as kind of like, you know what, I'll bring you back in, but you have to work for me and be on my side with everything. Um, But shockingly, Maeve is the one that does this exact thing. She walks up to the Deep and she acknowledges that he's a piece of shit. She doesn't like him at all. But I'll put in a good word with you when it comes to being on the Seven. But you and I are, you know, we're tight. You're going to do what I say. And she's basically forming her own or starting her own army within the seven. I could definitely see Starlight doing this. Um, Maybe A-Train since he's fired. Maybe they utilize him somehow. I don't know. But what do you think of this scene? And what do you think this could lead to with Maeve kind of recruiting him? Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to see Maeve kind of like taking matters into her own hands. And I just like I said earlier, I just really want to see where the showdown between her and Homelander is headed. Yeah, me too. I have no idea what this could mean. I'm kind of assuming right now this is leading to like a civil war type thing within the seven because she could easily get A-Train on her side and Starlight, you would think. Um, but what would that mean for the rest of the team? Because you're not getting Black Noir. You're not getting Stormfront. Obviously not Homelander. So we'll see. I don't know where. Well, this maybe they'll be. just set up a sequel franchise movie and it'll be the seven civil war. 
Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll see. <laughs> um, and then this leads to the last scene of the episode where um, after that, we see Starlight trying to dig up any info she can on Stormfront. She sneaks into her trailer. She's trying to break into her computer. And she finally does. And um, based all we really see, we get a glimpse of is her emails pop up. And it says Sage Grove, I think it is. And that's the same hospital that Sean Ashmore was working at that she called. So clearly the Sage Grove Hospital or whatever it is, an asylum, I'm not entirely sure, but Stormfront has some deep connection to it. Um, So yeah, not too much to go off of. So let's just jump to the last thing because right as Starlight is getting into it, she tells Stormfront to her face. She knows that she's Liberty. Of course, we get Homelander coming in and he's- Well, and Stormfront says that she knows that Starlight yep. Combound D to the public. Too. Exactly. So it seems like it's going to be a pretty intense um, back and forth, but then Homelander, who is now on Stormfront's side because she, with her memes, got his like points raised by five, um, he comes in kind of as like acknowledging, what's going on, ladies? And then they, of course, have to stand down. And then this leads to um, kind of like Homelander, like- genuinely thinking you're like wow you really like saved my ass thanks i appreciate it what can i do for you and then uh they have sex so (laughs) that's what um and he can do full on like not holding back with their powers too i laughed out loud at one moment there was one part where she just pushes homelander it cuts to a wide shot and it's just like a rag doll flying into like a bookcase (laughs) it was so funny um and that's kind of it so Give me your last thoughts. What did you think of this? And then what do you think possibly Stormfront could be planning by getting Homelander wrapped around her finger? I'm just happy I got that copyright submitted for Stormlander. Stormlander, baby. Our ship. <laughs> I think this will be interesting. I didn't expect them to end up being allies. Um, I know it's kind of teased in episode four, but Homelander is just not really interested in it. Um, so I'm curious to see where this relationship goes and I'm still in on this season. I still really want to see like what these final episodes bring. I think the boys are finally back together, even though we could have started the season with them being back together, but I th- I'm glad the crew's back and I'm curious to see like where people are going to align and like yeah. whose team they're going to end up on. It really looks like we are kind of headed for a civil war. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see if Maeve ends up like reaching out to the boys for help as well. Yeah, we'll see. I think um, based on Stormfront as a character, they could certainly position her to convince Homelander, who's not happy with Stan Edgar, to maybe they break away from Vought. They keep the Seven going in some form, but they're not going to deal with Vought anymore, or at least they're going to kind of overthrow him somehow. Who knows how that would work? Um, Black Noir is still a wild card. Who knows? I feel like he would probably prefer to work with Homelander. And then, like you said, I think the more interesting side of it is, where does Maeve stand at the end of this season? I feel like they could be on the seven, but I feel like they're going to try and break away from Vought. So does she go to the boys? I don't know. And I feel like she's making her own army, which the deep, uh, I mean, the, the weird thing is like the characters like the deep and Atrian, I could never see being on the boys, the deep sexually assaulted starlight who Huey cares about. And then Atrian murdered his girlfriend. So I don't think we're going to see much from them. Yeah. Obviously they can, they could, they could work with Maeve, but I don't, that's kind of where I'm curious how that fits in. I don't see them wanting to be on the boys either because A-Train's made very clear the only thing he cares about is money and yeah. he's not getting any money from being on the boys and the deep just wants to be back on the seven. So I don't right. I don't see the two of them really ending up working with the boys. Um, I would be curious to see if Maeve ends up doing that though. I guess the very least we could definitely see if Homelander and Stormfront try and break away from Vought, we could see stan edgar try and convince the rest of them to take them down so maybe i don't know maybe we see mave deep a train try and take down homelander and stormfront but even if that's what happens as you mentioned i just don't see the underdogs in this case coming out on top or even being alive so i have no idea and i guess that's good i mean i guess it's nice to you know, have an episode like this, which is definitely better than the others. I still feel like the show ultimately is aimless this season, but we have three more episodes. So I'm really hopeful we get something interested or no, we get something interesting. I mean, um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm not like excited anymore. I'm curious and hopeful for where it's going to go. And I just hope like by the end of this finale, I'm really jazzed about season three, because if not, I feel like I might struggle to even want to watch it, you know, because nothing's yeah. much happened so i guess we'll wait and see i mean 
Are you are you still extremely excited? Yeah, I, I was definitely more down on the show last week. Um, I'm kind of back in now. I am, like you said, I'm really hopeful for this season. I think they're going to end it well. After the first season, I still have a lot of faith in this writing and directing team. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think they just had a lot they wanted to do this season, and it just took a while for them to set things up. So we'll see what happens. But I am hopeful, like you said, uh, to see where this season ends. Me too. All right, everybody. So be, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're, you know, it, even if you're not enjoying the boys, I hope you're enjoying our conversations on it and getting something out of it. Um, so we're going to have episode six review. That's coming out next Thursday. And Austin, why don't you fill in everybody? What episodes of the show could they go check out now that are already out? And what do we have coming up soon? Yeah, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Um, if you missed our main episode this week, we were back into our Star Wars series and we did a whole breakdown on episode seven, The Force Awakens. Ugh, that was a tough one. <laughs> it was a tough one to get through. Our main episode will be back on Tuesday. We have another movie review coming for you. This time we're going to be talking about the Netflix movie, The Devil All the Time. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And the boys series will be back every Thursday as well. Love it. I'm excited. We've got some good stuff coming up. I'm excited to see where this season goes. I know we have plans to do The Mandalorian right after, so another season two. So lots of cool stuff. Lots of Star Wars, lots of show breakdowns, lots of random episodes. I was looking at the schedule earlier and I was getting really excited for the rest of this year. I think we have some great content coming up for you, everybody out there listening. So keep listening. Keep reviewing the show. Keep you know dropping us a rating. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can find us. We are on Amazon Music, right, Austin? That just kind of happened. We are. We're right. We're right on Amazon Music, right at the launch. So that was exciting to see happen. And yeah, we do have a really fun schedule planned for the rest of this year and into 2021. If you wouldn't mind sharing it with a friend, we really do appreciate that as well. And feel free, as always, you know, follow us over on social media. Throw us a DM on Instagram at the Arnies. Um, leave us your thoughts on the boys. Star Wars, I guess right now, what are your thoughts on the sequel trilogy? That's what we're getting into in Rogue One coming up soon. Um, and as always, you know, we're always excited to talk about new things. We have our whole schedule, like Austin mentioned. So throw us some episode ideas, things that you would be interested in us talking about. And we'd be happy to add it to the schedule and read any fun comments live on our show. So, yeah, that's all I got for you, everybody. All right. Well, we'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See ya. See ya.